elevate your life with this episode of Lifestyle and Success with Dr. S. Hey friends, Dr. S here. You know, one thing that I love about this show is that it shows anyone and everyone that regardless of what background you have, what different experiences you have had, and who you are, that you can obtain your level of success. I've been getting some really positive feedback from the business tips that you've been getting and the lifestyle hacks that I've been loving. And so I have to tell you, if you are feeling this community to subscribe to the talk show and never miss a beat, head to Lifestyle and Success with DRS.com. And today's guest is coming up. Wow. So you are going to love today's episode if you have one of those goals and dreams of building a multi-million dollar company that's fueled from your passion. Today, I have Adrienne Cooper joining us. She's the CEO of Moonlight Roller. She was featured in Forbes magazine. She is, again, another young founder, and she's going to share the story behind her viral skating company's rise to the top. We dropped so many gems on this episode. Adrienne, I can't wait to hear more of your story. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to have you. So can you tell us how you got started with this work? Tell us the journey of your business. Absolutely. It was an interesting start. Uh, Prior to starting Moonlight, I was in the military. And after getting out of the military, I was in the Navy. I realized that I was struggling to transition back into the civilian workforce. I got a job as a catering manager for two locations of an Einstein Brothers bagel. And I really enjoyed the social aspect and the marketing aspect of the job, but I hated the leadership. I wanted to be able to cultivate my own work environment um, after spending you know, so long in toxic work environment. So I got recruited to another catering company and it was a pretty significant raise. So I was hoping that would kind of satisfy my wants to do something else. And it did for a while. And then I realized that it still wasn't for me. And Mm -hmm. I told my husband that I wanted to quit my my job and start my own business. And he asked me what I wanted to do. And I didn't really know. But around that time, I picked back up roller skate. One of my friends that I worked with, she's a big roller skater. And she just kept asking me to go to the skating rink with her. And I was like, girl, (laughs) oh, are people, I'm not trying to do that. I don't know. Our skating rink, I'm not sure what your um, skating rinks are like, but it's a lot of kids. Yes. And I have a three-year-old at home. So, you know, if I was going to do an extracurricular, I want it to be a kid-free experience. (laughs) Um, So I started skating and immediately fell in love. It changed my life. And I decided that I wanted roller skating to be my job somehow. Since I had a background in events with catering, I realized that we could throw some pretty cool roller skating parties. And maybe it would even be cool to have an adult-only rink since I hadn't seen one in the U.S. Most rinks are marketed you know, more for children's parties. So it's a, it's a tough transition. So I really saw a need there and decided to pursue it. So this is the end of... About August 2019, I started fundraising for what would be the skating rink. We did a Kickstarter campaign. I ran it by myself. It was successful. 
thankfully, and I used that to build some really stellar branding to attract some investors. I found three investors and with their investments in my own, I was able to pull together what we thought would be the down payment and, you know, some remodeling budget for the skating rink. So I started working around, I'd say, November that year on a a rental skate. I wasn't very impressed with a lot of the rental skates that I had seen. I wanted something that was going to be really, really comfy for these 21, 41, 55-year-olds that were going to be skating and drinking. I wanted it to be really supportive. So I started designing my own. Unfortunately for me, right when I finalized the design for the rental skate, got our mobile rink up and running, we booked a lot of killer events with it so we could start getting some cash flow going before the build out of the rink. And then COVID hit that March. So we were right in the middle of concepting an architectural plan. We had found a building that we had earmarked for the rink. And it seemed kind of like everything was going to be lost. Obviously, I'd spent pretty much the entire investment that I had on a good portion of these rental skates. And now there would be nowhere to use these rental skates. So I decided to sell them. I had 500 pairs um, of mirror ball, that's our gray, a suede skate. And I decided to have a pre-sale for them to see if they would sell. It went viral. Um, Somebody tweeted about it. It went viral. And literally overnight, we went from 2,500 followers to over 20,000 followers. Everyone was asking when the skates were coming out. Were there going to be more colors? How could they pre-order today? Um, And that's when I realized that maybe this could be a good pivot and could maybe get us through whatever the next couple months or, you know, weeks were to look like. At that point, we didn't really know. I went back to my manufacturer and told them I was interested in expanding the line. I added two more colorways, the black night fever and the holographic flash dance skate. So we'd have a vegan option as well. The flash dance options of microfiber leather skate instead of suede. So animal free. And I launched those in May of last year and they sold out within 15 minutes, 1500 units gone. It changed my life forever. Um, We made almost a quarter of a million that night. I woke my husband up at one o'clock in the morning and told him to quit his job because he had to stay home with Emmett because I now had to start fulfilling orders and getting employees and forming a company to fit what just happened. Mm. He quit his job and stayed home with our son and I started trying to find a warehouse. Um, and it's been a year <laughs> since then. Um, and since then, Moonlight has truly just taken on a life of its own. Um, we're selling the Moon Boot worldwide. It's available in every country. We have distributors in 15 countries. We have two pop-up locations, one in New York and one in Miami. And then we have one in our brick and mortar that's here in Chattanooga. So our warehousing, um, our headquarters, it's all here in Chattanooga. And our intentions are in the next three months to finally circle back. We closed on the property for our skating rink. Congratulations. (laughs) Yes. um, And instead of renting it, we were fortunate to be able to buy our own lot in a really great area in downtown. So looking forward to that. Wow. 
What an incredible story. And there are so many pieces that I want to dig into because it's almost like, how did this happen? But I'm also sure there was so much intentionality around certain shifts that you made. And I want to unpack those. But before we get there, I mean, I would love if you could just give us a little reflection about like what you thought you'd be doing when you grew up and and looking at where you are now. Did you ever envision this? Is this exactly what you would have always wanted? No, I, (laughs) you would have asked me age three to 16, what I was going to be, I would have told you marine biologist (laughs) all day, every day, multiple times. Then I kind of realized that maybe I wanted to be in politics and maybe I wanted to do business and that all just kind of spiraled. And I think that all of those things all of those lessons learned just set me up to be a better leader for my team here. Mm-hmm. So you're two years in now. Two years in. Why do you keep going? Honestly, there's so many reasons. One is my family. I have a three-year-old son and it makes me more proud than anything in the world to know that I have the ability to teach him great life lessons and give him everything that he needs uh, to be a successful member of this world. My team, we've grown from one employee, me, May 2020, to having 26 employees now. You know, being responsible for that many people's livelihoods um, is incredibly humbling. And most of all, the customers. Every time I see somebody tag us in a video of them skating and just smiling or laughing with their friend that just fell or what have you, it makes every tear, every challenge, every no that I've heard worth it. Mm, I love that. So based on where you are now, and I know you're still growing, but you have grown like lightning speed. Like you literally just kept following the breadcrumbs and things just blew up for you. But I'm sure that that blow up was also filled with a lot of hurdles and continues to be filled with hurdles as you expand to even greater heights. So what hurdles did you overcome as you were kind of getting to this space today? I know COVID hit, which was probably like nobody ever expected that. But What else did you experience that really was like something that you had to troubleshoot your way around to get to where you are right now? Honestly, the high level functions of a CEO or an executive, I basically had to teach all of that to myself from scratch. Fortunate, I found a fabulous mentor. I've done a lot of reading, but growing that fast, although it's amazing um, and it's exciting and it's fun. Um, There's just so much that you don't know that some people, you know, will get to trial and error things one at a time, you know, over the course of years while they're building their business. And it sounds like it would be fun for a business to explode overnight. But, you know, all of those troubles and challenges that you have while scaling, you get them all at once. So I don't even have a degree. I did two years of college um, at UTC and was studying political science. So I've done some continuing education since I have started Moonlight so that I can be as prepared as possible, but truly just learning how to 
operate on that level and change my whole entire lifestyle to be able to keep up with the business and my family's lifestyle to be able to keep up with the business. It it was tough. Mm. What has been your greatest win so far? I would say our biggest win is one that we're working on right now. We just established a line of made in the United States roller skates, high-end product, and I really wanted to have some level of manufacturing and production in the U.S. And with there not being an abundance of roller skate makers in the world, it was challenging. So I would call that our biggest team win so far. Beautiful. And I would also say a a big win is probably making it into Forbes. (laughs) Huge win. (laughs) That was... um, That was shocking. It still shocks me every day. (laughs) Yeah, just saying. That's pretty impressive. (laughs) So I'd love to, I know our audience is listening and, you know, they're probably like, why couldn't this happen to me? Like, it sounds like everything just came together so beautifully, but I've tried to create this and I've tried to do this and I've tried to do that. And it hasn't happened like that for me. And so I'd like to unpack your story a little bit, maybe to share some of the things that maybe weren't so serendipitous that you really had to put some like energy and grit behind in order to get things moving. And I'd love to start with the manufacturing process. And I want to keep it, of course, very broad because we don't want you to share your manufacturing. (laughs) I don't want you to give away your goods, girl. But I do want for those people who are thinking of creating something to kind of have an idea of like, if I wanted to manufacture a pocketbook or shoes or where do I even start when I'm thinking of launching my product? Can you walk us through or give us some tips on that? Absolutely. Um, The first thing that I did was ran straight to the World Wide Web right to Google. And I started looking up manufacturers in the US and Canada. Um, When I wasn't finding any, I brought in my search. Um, I started with keywords like top roller skate manufacturers in the world um, in order to try to find sporting goods manufacturers, anyone who may potentially be able to make a roller skate for our rental design and there was a, it, it, it was tough. It was a challenge. Um, we went back and forth with a lot of manufacturers who weren't manufacturers at all. And it was just a scam. And, you know, especially during COVID and even now, I didn't have the money to just travel all over the world to go check out these manufacturers. So you have to have a lot of faith in the manufacturer. Um, and that's, that's really challenging. Um, it was a lot of back and forth, a lot of patience. But getting to that point, whenever we had the funding was a lot easier. Prior to having the funding, I would say that was the most difficult part in the business. The whole first year of the business was people saying, that is the most ridiculous idea I've ever heard. You're going to put roller skates with adults and put alcohol? No, no one's ever going to ensure that. No one is ever going to want to touch it. Cute idea. I'd love to see you pull it off. I had heard it all. I had heard no 250 times or I heard it once and all it takes is once. Um, But having... Sometimes I feel like it's a level of just insanity being able to (laughs) people say, no, that's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. Mm. Do it like this instead. No one's going to like the pink. It's too girly. Switch the pink. Mm. 
um, people who know you better than you think you know yourself, or so they say. It's hard when you see people who are incredibly successful tell you that your idea is not good enough to to get there. And I just I I chalk that up to perseverance, and that's one of the the lessons that I learned in the Navy. Um, is how to never take no for an answer, especially if you think that you are in the right. Mm. And so I just kept pushing and I would go to bed every day crying and I would wake up crying, cry on my way to wherever I was probably going to get told no out of. Get up <laughs> on an amazing show and presentation, get told no, keep a straight face and then walk out and do it again. Mm. You mentioned the the investors, and I do want to talk a little bit about that as well, because investors can be huge game changers, not just financially, but with the connections that they have. And you touched on that when you said that the investors or when you had the funding, it kind of helped to facilitate the manufacturing process and kind of make it a little easier. Can you talk about how that actually came about, how you found the investors, what role did they play in the business, and how that also supported you in easily finding manufacturing? I don't want to say easily, but I guess finding it a little bit smoother. The way I located my investors was not traditional. Um, I know that a lot of people try to get involved with firms or something like that. I was so afraid of the equity you know, issue that I decided to try to find a private investor. So Mm -hmm. I, I, um, previously, you know, when I had been catering, I did a lot of networking. So I, I reached out to everyone and just asked them where they got their, their businesses. Like, how did they start it? How did they have the money? Most people asked, or most people told me that they had, you know, used their own money or they used their, they pulled out their 401k early or something. I did not have that option because I was 24 at the time. So I decided to do it the hard way and um, just started asking, sending emails, asking people for recommendations for investors. Eventually, um, after talking to hundreds, hundreds of people, got connected to investors that were in the restaurant sphere, which wasn't exactly what I was looking for. But through that, I was able to find a friend of a friend who was interested in getting involved with a concept. Um, Now, none of my investors are still investors. I bought them all out immediately in order to protect the equity of the company as soon as Mm. I that the pivot was pivoting more to online than a brick and mortar skating rink. So, I mean, honestly, the the best way is the hardest way. You know, um, I feel like had I had taken the easy way and, you know, tried to get involved with an angel firm, we wouldn't be here right now because I definitely wouldn't have been able to buy those individuals out. And because I don't have any investors right now, we're not making any payouts and I roll all of the profits back in the business so we can continue to expand. Beautiful, beautiful and brilliant. And how did you know to do that? Was that just an instinct? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> like, uh, I'm, um, you know, didn't grow up the wealthiest um, individual. So I come from a place of, okay, how do I protect this at all costs? Yes. Um, and I realized very quickly that what if 
the 10% that I was supposed to pay someone out could go to X amount of roller skates that we could obviously sell. So luckily it was less than a year after they invested that I asked to buy them out. They were all incredibly kind. They totally understood giving the nature of the pivot of the business. Um, and again, I feel like the only reason I got that leniency was because I went out into the community and built relationships with people so that they knew me on a personal level. And it wasn't just me working with a firm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Love that. And with the with the connections that you made in order to kind of actually start the production of your product, was that just from relationships that you've developed with investors and with community members? Or did you end up finding a scout? You know, they have these scouts that you can pay and they'll go on Alibaba and go to China and, and connect with, you know, wherever the manufacturers are. Did you use any of those hacks or was it kind of just stroke of stroke of luck? Yeah, none of those hacks were used. Um, after a while of Googling some manufacturers, I found a few. I sent them my design for the boot and decided to see who would send me samples. And after um, meeting my manufacturer, we very quickly built up a very close relationship. I'm actually going to be traveling to Hong Kong later this year, and I'll be visiting them in Shenzhen. But it's... it's it, Manufacturing internationally has a lot of risk, but if you can identify a trustworthy manufacturer, there's a, a lot of reward. Mm-hmm. Amazing. All right. I'd love to pivot and go into your marketing strategy because one thing that you said earlier that I know everybody is like wishing would happen to them is that once you started talking about your business, it literally just got shared on social media and your post went viral. Can you unpack the anatomy of that post and what kind of led to it going viral in your opinion? Yeah, so it actually wasn't one of our posts that went viral. I had been running Moonlight Social Media account from August 2019 when we launched it to um, obviously, you know, now. And at the time when we launched the skate last May, we had a couple thousand followers, like maybe just over two, you know, nothing crazy, but for, you know, a new local business, pretty good. And then we posted about the skates. It got, it was the most liked post that we'd have with like a thousand likes, but then someone screenshotted the post and put it on Twitter. And they said, Hey, this is a black owned business and look at her roller skate. And that post was shared, that tweet was shared, I don't know, like 60,000 times. Wow. I didn't even know this person. She was just a person that found us, you know, through Instagram and screenshotted it and shared it on Twitter. Wow. And all of a sudden, follower, I, we didn't have a huge Twitter presence. We had like 12 followers on Twitter. Um, so she didn't even tag us on the tweet. So all of a sudden just droves of followers. Like I refreshed and my phone went from like 2000 followers to seven. And I thought something was wrong. <laughs> I thought we had been hacked or something, but I keep refreshing and the followers are just pouring in. And I'm like, where are they coming from? Like we haven't even posted in three days. Um, and then one of my friends, she saw the tweet. And it, so it had really circulated through the Twitter, Twitter sphere. And she sent it to me and was like, have you seen this? 
And I was like, oh my God, no. But it makes a lot of sense because I had no idea what was going on. Um, so glad to know I had to reach out to that person and thank you um, because mm. that tweet, you know, really it, it changed my life, whether she realized, you know, it, what kind of effect that would have. It's always interesting. Yeah. And how did you build on that success? Because darling, you're at like 140,000 plus now and your posts are still fire. And so what do you do today to kind of continue that growth and, and keep the word spreading? I like to pull a lot of inspiration from the sneaker industry. I'm really into guerrilla marketing, just dropping something randomly that's a surprise with absolutely no lead, a random drop, a random restock, a new skate surprise that's on the website. Like that, just keep the community really engaged. The skate community has grown so much. And, you know, as a skater, I see the community as my friends. And so I just want every time they log on to their Facebook or their Instagram, they can just get a burst of, you know, moonlight disco vibes. Um, and so we try to keep things really exciting. No text really ever. Only <laughs> photos. Um, and I have it now, an in-house social media and marketing team that is wonderful. And now instead of me curating all the posts, finally am stepping away from being the main person posting on Instagram. Mm, it must feel good having your time back. <laughs> nice. Amazing. So for those women out there who are on their climb to creating a million dollar, multi-million dollar business, if you could give them any two pieces of advice, what would it be? Don't take no for an answer is the first one. Sometimes you'll have an idea that's so good that no one even knows it's a good idea yet. You have to have the faith in yourself to keep pushing. And with that, my second piece of advice, I guess, would be to make sure that you love what you're doing because it's tough. It's all, it's never, you know, just an easy road. And there's always going to be challenges and there's always going to be days that you can barely get out of bed because you're exhausted and your feelings are hurt and you're just spent. And in those times, if your, you know, motivation alone can't get you out of bed, set a schedule. Discipline is what gets me out of bed some mornings. It's tough for me even now, you know, with all the change in the business all the time. I treat my schedule like it is the most important thing um, and I stick to it religiously. So if I wake up and I've had a terrible, we're talking about me fundraising, me in 2019, if I woke up and I had spent all night crying, if my schedule said at 7.30 I was going to spend an hour looking at something online, that's what I was going to do. I may have been doing it in tears, what I was going to do. Having that dis like that level of self discipline, you know, everyone says you know love what you do and it keeps you motivated, but sometimes motivation just isn't enough. And if you can create some motivation for yourself, some discipline within of your schedule and respecting your time and treating it for the value that it is, you're unstoppable. 
Mm-hmm. Powerful, powerful. Adrian, this interview has been amazing. I don't know. I didn't share this with you before, but I, I'm going to say it now. I'm in my 30s and I have actually picked back up roller skating. And so I can't yes. Water. So moonlight roller skates. <laughs> well, hopefully we will have some in stock for you soon, Queen. <laughs> no, because I am going to the rink. There is actually a rink near me and I cannot wait, cannot wait to try them out and share them all over social media. I love what you're doing. I love your business. I love your story. Um, we're going to wrap up with these final two questions. And so I'm going to ask you if you could look back and give your 10 year younger self any piece of advice, what would it be? Take a year off college. A year between you go to high school. Take a year. That's okay. what I would have done. I think that uh, you surprise yourself with how much you grow. And now I give myself a lot more grace, but in my teens um, and in my beginning of my 20s, I was not as kind to myself. So that's, that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. How can our audience find and support you? You can find us at MoonlightRoller.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at MoonlightRoller. Um, if you are in New York or Miami, you can visit us at a Showfields location. Um, and we have a brick and mortar here in Chattanooga, Tennessee for anyone who's ever swinging through. Adrian Cooper, everybody from Moonlight Roller. Adrian, thanks so much for coming on the show and I can't wait to have you back. Thanks for having me, Dr. S. Have a great day. You are listening to Lifestyle and Success with Dr. S, a talk show to help you rise in business success while designing a life that you don't need a vacation from. To subscribe to the show and never miss a beat, head to Lifestyle and Success with DRS. Dot com.